remain standing and join me in reciting the Shema, which our Lord Jesus would have recited every day of his life. Shema Israel, Adonai Eloheinu, Adonai Ahad. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Our scripture this morning is from Genesis chapter 6, beginning in verse 9. Would you please read with me the word of the Lord? These are the descendants of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw that the earth was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its width, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and put the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For my part, I am going to bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground until its kind. Two of every kind shall come into you to keep them alive. Also, take with you every kind of food that is eaten and store it up, and it shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Have you ever experienced this situation? This situation where God is calling you to something, something new, something beyond your capabilities? where in the quiet times in your day, you start to hear that voice or that nudge. You start to be reminded by the pulls on your heartstrings to this different thing, this thing that seems just beyond your grasp, beyond your capabilities. It's out of your comfort zone. It feels beyond your capabilities. And you're pretty certain that you can't do it yourself. This is a story about a call of God on a man's life. And it's so often in our lives that our calls come to us 
and we don't think we can do them. They are, by definition, beyond our own capabilities, and we are so aware of this and afraid of this and nervous and fearful because, because of this. But I want to assure you this morning that this story is more a story of hope, of God's faith, not only in us, but also his trustworthiness, that God is a God that, you, that we can trust. I want y'all to think this morning of a time that God has called you to something or something that God is currently calling you to because we're going to be talking about this idea of calling throughout the morning. And I want you to hold that thing in the back of your mind. So as we're talking about different things, I want you to be thinking of what God is personally calling you to or has called you to in the past. The movie that we looked at is a story, as I said, of Evan Baxter and it's, it starts off with him uh, becoming a U.S. congressman and going to Washington. He wants to change the world. And as you saw in the beginning clip uh, with him, like, cleaning his nose out, he's very meticulous. He's very specific and detail-oriented. And this is one of the things that God loves about him. And God highlights this and points this out. And God calls him, as we see in the story, to build an ark. And you see throughout the story that he is called more and more uh, uh, to do this. He starts getting signs in all these different ways. He, uh, the scripture verses start showing up on his alarm clock. He uh, gets the box of tools that we see uh, delivered to his house. All this lumber starts showing up and uh, the land that he needs to build the ark is given to him. And little by little, like you see the animals start coming to him. These little signs and nudges and calls along the way uh, to make it clear to him that he's being called to these things. This is a story of us being called beyond our capabilities, beyond what we think uh, we can handle or we can bear. This morning, uh, I'm going to invite up two of our student leaders, Barrett Miller and Kate Supasay, to hear um, from them. Would you please join me in welcoming them? Good morning. Uh, um, so this morning, uh, this summer, you, know, you got me saying good morning. Um, this summer, I got the opportunity to serve God um, in a way that I really didn't think at the beginning would be possible for me um, as a high school student. Um, I got the chance to go up to New Braunfels and to work at T-Bar and summer camps. Um, before summer camp started, all the coaches were brought together, and for an entire week, we stayed on the camp and we just did work and got ready for uh, the summer. During this week, I got there on a Sunday night, and the very first morning, um, we woke up at 6 in the morning, which um, for me, as a high school student, like I said, is not, is not easy for me, nor is it fun. Um, I don't think it's probably fun for most of you to wake up at 6 a.m. Um, but getting up that early, um, I was already mentally kind of exhausted um, before I even got to camp. I got there, and for 10, 11, 12 hours straight, we were just working, just getting the camp ready um, for these little kids that would come in during the summer. By about 8 p.m., mentally and physically, I was just exhausted. Um, I really did not think that I could go on uh, for six days, let alone four weeks during the summer um, with all that work, plus having to take care of eight-year-olds. Um, so for me, going into worship that night, um, I was carrying a burden of doubt. Um, 
leaning on my own understanding and not of God's understanding of my plan. Um, I doubted God in the way of saying openly in my prayer, um, God, I'm not supposed to be here. God, I don't know why I'm here. Um, I asked him to show me. Um, and the most amazing thing about this story is he answered very quickly. Um, we went into worship, and as we went into worship, um, I just carried that with me. I was constantly saying, you know what, God, I don't think I can do this. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'm ready for this. I'm, I'm, I'm way too tired to be up here. Um, but during worship, we got there, and um, in the middle of one of the songs, people left and right of me um, both just fell to their knees, fell to their knees in tears, um, just overwhelmed by the love and by the presence of God. For me, um, that, was, that was all I needed. Um, that was a moment where, right in that moment, looking over and seeing that that is happening um, due to the presence of God, I said, God, this is why I'm here. I'm here because I get the opportunity um, to hopefully show the kids that this is what God does to you so that then when they grow up, they want to come and work here at TBRM. Um, and even if they don't want to come work here, you know what, they want to serve you in some way. I was happy on that fact, but also the fact that I get the opportunity um, to create a relationship with these people. Um, the fact that I get to enhance my relationship with God. Um, going in, I really did not know how it was going to go. Um, I was quiet the first day. Um, as I let God work through me, and as I kept saying, oh, I can't do this. Oh, I'm tired. And started saying, you know what, God, what do you need me to do? How do you want to work through me for this summer? It got so much easier. Um, that training week ended up, I will say, probably being one of the longer weeks of my life, um, but easily one of the most fun weeks I've ever had in my life um, because now I get the opportunity, um, like it says in our scripture, um, it says that Noah walked in fellowship with God. Um, and in how I see it is he walked in fellowship with him and he served him, and he was rewarded a gift, um, the gift of the opportunity to save all of creation which, I mean, for me, my gift was I've worked two weeks. I go back tomorrow to work my third and fourth week. Um, and I can tell you already before, after the first week, I wanted to do it next summer. Um, I've been telling my mom I want to keep going up there. She doesn't want to give me money for gas. It's a little bit of a struggle. Um, but I get the opportunity because I stuck it out, um, because I said, God, you know, this is your work. Um, this is not for me. This is for the kids, and this is for you. Um, I get the opportunity to share my story like this and also go back tomorrow and shine the light of God on kids um, that maybe have never seen it before. Um, so as I walk in fellowship with God, um, as I understand my calling more, um, I listen to it more. I sit down and I listen for God to talk to me um, because I know that in the long run, he knows uh, my life a little bit better than I do. He knows where I should be and when I should be there. Um, so I'm going to trust him with all my heart. Thank you. And now, if you would please welcome up our other youth leader, Kate Supase. Good morning. Um, I'm Kate. I'm a student leader here in the youth wing. And this morning, I want to share with y'all 
the time that I was called this summer and my journey through that. So for the first five weeks of this summer, I was working out at Lady Lodge Family Camp in Lakey, Texas, and I was on what they call work crew, which is me and 10 other girls who get thrown into the kitchen to clean dishes for five weeks, and that's basically all we did. We set tables and a bunch of stuff like that. So right before camp, um, I had a lot of worry and doubt and fear that was really building up fast. I didn't know if I was going to get along with all of these people because some of them I had never met before. Um, and the biggest thing that was worrying me was, will I have enough physical energy for this? Because I know myself to be a really low energy person. And so I knew that this is a, the biggest work I've ever done. And I'm going to be on my feet for 17 meals a week for five weeks. And I'm not going to get a lot of breaks. So and this is going to be the most energy I've ever needed. And that just kind of stunned me a lot. Um, so I was just really freaked out coming into camp. After the first week, it was looking like all of my worst nightmares were coming true. Our first dinner had taken us almost three hours to clean. The dish room is really sensory overload kind of place. There's lots of sounds and steam and weird smells and lots of people around you can really make you cranky and outside of the kitchen we would get into little fights and drama would start um and I was just like okay great this is going to be awful and nothing is turning out how I thought it might but also all of the worst things were coming true um but soon we started in the mornings we had a devotional time and every other day we would start sharing our life stories um, each one of us would take our turn to share our life story, and that was a really, that changed things a lot for everyone in our group, because we got really vulnerable, which isn't tendenc a tendency for most teenage girls. Um, it's scary to share the biggest parts of your life and the hardest things you've gone through, but it made all of us so much closer, like I know it was for the better. Um, and I think it created a sense of wholeness and togetherness and we knew that we could work together as a team and now we were sure in each other and that we could work towards this goal this common goal so that really fixed like the internal problems um, the best thing I saw this summer were the families that I served I would sometimes step out of the little kitchen and look out onto the dining hall where there's all these little um, circular tables and just see a million beautiful conversations happening at the same time, which is like a pretty overwhelming sight. Um, and I suddenly realized that I was gifting these people with rest and community. And these people didn't have to cook a meal. They didn't have to clean a meal. They just got to sit and enjoy food and be in conversation. And family dinners like that like don't happen a lot anymore, especially in my household. Like I know that. And so these families are getting genuine time every single day to spend with each other and I knew that was such a gift I was giving them and it kind of changed my attitude I knew that it wasn't about me suddenly I knew that it wasn't about how tired my feet were or how exhausted I was or all the naps I wanted to be taking it was about putting all of my wants and needs aside and thinking about how this is God's plan for these families and putting all my work towards that gift um that was put that idea was really put into words for me around the third week when I talked to this dad and he said 
this is a place where the rejected are seen. A lot of the kids that come here and even some of the adults aren't loved as much at home. Like some of these kids are bullied or some of these kids don't have a lot of time with their family. And so like even in my work of just cleaning dishes or the other staff's work of like coming alongside these families and these kids and just making them loved and making them seen, um, that really changed my perspective. I was like, oh wow, I'm here for something huge and big and powerful. And it really turned my attitude around and I was, I felt so much more purposeful in my work in the last half of that five weeks. Um, so <laughs> when I tell people that I spent the first five weeks cleaning dishes, they give me a weird look and they kind of wonder why would I say yes to that? Why would I do that? I'm not even getting paid. Like, why, why would you say yes to that? And I feel kind of sad because I can't even put into words the things that I've learned that I know that I'm fulfilling God's will and I'm serving families that need it, families that come from all different backgrounds. I saw single parents and I saw families with disabled children and families, blended families and families with adopted children, like all these families that I don't come into contact with every day. And it was so beautiful to just like serve them and not make it about me. And also at the same time though, I was gifted with these lifelong friends who were working alongside me. Um, and that's such a huge gift and it's really hard to explain people that to people. So they question, why did I do that? But I know that I would not trade that experience for anything. Thank you. Now we're going to see a clip uh, from the movie where Evan's starting to understand that it's God that's calling him, but he still has a lot of other questions and things he's wondering about. So, you're really him, aren't you? You want more proof? I haven't done the Philip Salt thing in a while. That's all right. I believe you. I just, I don't understand why you chose me. You want to change the world, son. So do I. Wh what? Why an ark? I mean, that's like flood territory. You wouldn't do that again. You wouldn't do that. Would you do that? Let's just say that whatever I do, I do because I love you. Well, then you have to understand that this whole building and ark thing is really not part of my plans here. I need to settle into my house. I need to make a good impression at work. <laughs> what? Your plans. <laughs> what are you talking? I'm, we're talking about an ark, right? I mean, an ark? An ark is huge. I don't even know where I would begin. Well, I hear that a lot. People want to change the world, don't know how to begin. You want to know how to change the world, son? One act of random kindness at a time. Build the ark. I'll tell you what. You build it, I'll fill it. And if anybody asks, tell them... Flood's coming. Oh, and uh, you might need this. Okay. Okay, so what do I do? I grab the wood. Oh, okay. 
day. You know, that's just cruel. Do you see him? I don't see him. Building an ark the old-fashioned way. God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. He lives in all things and has over 6,700,000,000 children. Uh, it's a cute movie. I recommend it if, uh, if you haven't seen it before. Um, so a few things I want to point out in that scene. Um, God, uh, Morgan Freeman playing God points out, whatever I do, I do because I love you. Um, some people wonder about the destruction in the ark, and most biblical scholars emphasize the saving act of God in the story of Noah and the ark. Uh, I think that's worth noting. And I love that scene where he, he says, this doesn't fit in with my plans. Um, and God just laughs in his face. Um, the movie goes on, and um, Evan builds the ark and then uh, can't get anybody to come on it. Uh, there's no rain, uh, which I think helps us see how a lot of times we misunderstand what God means by what he says. And then eventually a dam breaks and the whole neighborhood is flooded and the houses are destroyed. And but for the ark, uh, the people and the animals would have been destroyed as well. Um, it Again, like I said, it doesn't make sense, but in the end uh, it does. One of the things David likes to talk about is, is that life uh, can only be lived looking forward, but understood, looking back. And a lot of times when we get that call from God, we get right up to the edge of it and want to know what's next and have it make sense. Uh, and at least in my experience, uh, God calls us to take the step before we really understand it. So a few things I want to highlight for us in these kind of call stories. As the students pointed out, the faithfulness of Noah is not to be missed. Uh, in verse 6, it starts off saying that Noah was a righteous man, uh, and compared, especially compared to everyone of that day, um, as as I like to think of it, he was he was putting in the work and the time. He was doing the things he was called to do. He was already saying yes to the call of God in his life, so he had practice. So when this call of God came, um, they already had that relationship and that connection and that trust, and that is not to be overlooked. As as one of the fellows I studied said, it's one thing to know. Uh, he, he was using Tiger Woods as an example. And he said, it's one thing to know what shot to hit in a, in a situation. It's a whole other thing to have done the practice and put in the time and work and to be able to execute on that shot. Um, I, I think it was from a writing from more of the early 2000s for Tiger. Um, but that reality of putting in the time and um, doing our spiritual disciplines and kind of going to the gym and getting used to what is that like to hear that call and what is that like to respond in that way. Uh, and, and as we see in our lives, the more we go through that process, the easier it is to hear and discern and to trust and to know we're not going to know it all and to step out in faith anyways. Um, so that faithfulness of no is really important. Um, and then the, the call comes, um, some kind of call request or desire. It's often a call to things that we, that we cannot do, um, that we've never done before, that we know they're beyond our understanding or our ability. And in that, I would just this, this highlight that we cannot do them on our own. Um, it's, you know, it's him thinking about building an ark. How am I, the, our, in my experience, the first response is, how am I going to do all these things? And even though we're called to depend on God in all things, we first immediately go to, how am I going to do this? Um, one of the things we talked about with the students this week 
uh, was when you pick basketball teams and um, one of the best players is on your team. Uh, if you're picking teams and Tim Duncan is on your squad, all of a sudden your 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 fear level goes way down and your trust that you're going to win the game uh, goes through the roof. Um, this reality of what it means to to play on the same team of God and be partners with him in this work that he calls us to changes our entire perspective. Um, so it's not, even though it is beyond our ability, it's not on our shared uh, ability. A and then there is some kind of obstacle or challenge. There is some kind of thing that we are called to surmount. Um, and and we, re we are called to respond, as we said before, with action. Um, this is not a mental ascent where we just say yes with our mouths, but we live it out uh, with our feet and our hands. This invitation of God is always to action, and, and it's usually, in my experience, followed by some kind of attempt and struggle and, and high levels of doubt and going back to that reality of, again, can I do this? And, and we know in our heart of hearts that we can't. And then as we do it together as a body or with God beside us, uh, we begin to overcome, to break through, and learn that we can actually do these things with God and one another. Uh, and I'd emphasize that reality of with God. And then we see these wonderful outcomes. As in the movie, um, all the people are blessed, not only uh, Evan and his family, but, the, but uh, all the people of the neighborhood with Noah. You see all the people of the earth, and essentially humankind itself is saved. Um, we oftentimes learn that we could do more than we thought. Um, and we discover that, that what we saw of our own experience kind of limited our expectations. Uh, and with God and with others, we can do so much more. And, um, and then in my experience, at least, it's easier the next time the call comes to step out and do something that seems like something that's beyond our capabilities. So I want you to think of that thing you kept in the back of your head, some call story you had from your past, or something that God has been speaking to you about that's been nudging you for on, for, forward on, and I want to encourage you to think about that situation this morning. Hold it before you, hold it in your heart, hold it in your mind, and think of the things where God is asking you to take a step, and identify one simple action step where you're stepping out to do this in action this week, and and commit to do that this week, and then I will be interested to hear how things open up. Most of the time, in my experience, the call of God is a call to, in some way, come and follow him, to partner with him in some kind of work. And like I said, it's a stretch. It's a little stretch beyond what we've done before or what we think we can do. But oftentimes, when we step out to do that, we discover there's so much more in it for us to be able to do. So would you bow your heads and pray with me now? Heavenly Father, we thank you for the ways that you call us to stretch. Lord, that you call us to things that are beyond ourselves and that you call us to do them never alone, but with one another and with you. Father, thank you for the people in this room and the things that you're calling them to, for the things in their past that they have known and experienced personally, and for the ways you are continuing to whisper in their ears and tug at their heartstrings and invite them to the adventure with you. So Lord, we say yes and amen to these requests. And we are excited for this new adventure that you call us to. Lord, we bless you and thank you for these things in Jesus' name.